0: We are continuing on our series of uh, communication inside and outside the church. And uh, the slides further on, they will uh, uh, be maybe not as visible as they were on my computer when I was uh, uh, working on it. Uh, On the second slide, uh, what's on your communication menu? I don't know if that one will show yeah, I apologize for that. That's pretty hard to see. But that says, what's on your communication menu if uh, you try to use your imagination? Um, and uh, and so I apologize b- about that, but I will be saying each point as we go along, so hopefully we'll get through that, and uh, I'll try to, uh, if that happens again, try to use white. White might have been a little bit better. Uh, you know, just... Uh. At any rate... Um, I'd like to introduce uh, uh, my message this morning by reading what might be the most harsh and negative view of communication and speech um, that I can think of By uh, from reading through the Bible. This is the harshest that I've, I've found. It's James' view of the tongue, and it's found in James chapter 3 verses 2 to 10. James chapter 3, verses 2 to 10. And it's James writes here, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man able to keep his whole body in check. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. (laughs) Woe! On the one hand, James describes our tongue or our speech as a world of evil, Uh, something that corrupts the whole body, full of deadly poison, and is set on fire by hell. I'm not sure if you can get a more negative assessment of anything than that. But on the other hand, James says if one learns to be uh, faultless in their speech, we can be perfect not only with our tongue, but we will be able to keep our whole body in check. What a fascinating extreme. And... We're not going to unpack this passage this morning, but I'm giving it as a kind of an introduction to a shorter passage that has a similar type of thrust. And that passage is found in the book of Ephesians. But before we look deeply into that passage, I'd like to just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, um, unless we're mute or have a a severe speech uh, impairment or disability, we all speak, and we, as this passage looked, we can use it to to bless people, uh, or unfortunately curse people, or uh, really saying negative things. Lord, as we look into Ephesians uh, chapter four this morning, and in some other passages, Lord, I pray that you would guide us and inspire us in how we can be good stewards of our our tongues, our speech, of the words we say. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. So, if you haven't already, turn to Ephesians chapter 4 in, in your Bibles. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. And in there... Paul writes, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And our three points this morning that you can't see up there are, number one, get rid of rotten ramblings. Number two, and this is a little bit of a tongue twister, so I'm going to try to say it slowly. Heap on healthy helpings of helpful communication. And number three, top it off with tasty talk. So number one, get rid of rotten ramblings. You may wonder, okay, where do we get the idea of rotten from this uh, passage on communication in Ephesians 4.29. Well, it's in the the first phrase or the, yeah, the first uh, line. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. In particular, it comes from the Greek word that's translated unwholesome, which is sapros. And uh, to the Greek word, when they heard the word sapros, it gave them the idea of something that's gone bad, something rotten, something that's in the midst of decay. Some versions translate the word as corrupt. Sapros was used mainly of vegetables and meats and express of what was of extremely poor quality, unfit for use, putrid, of poor or bad quality. It was something that a host would never want to serve his guests uh, as part of a meal. And uh, something that we probably in our restaurants would not want to advertise on our menu. And it was this concept of spoiled food that inspired the, t- the title, What's on Your Communication Menu? And this isn't the only place in the Bible that the uh, concept of words or messages being likened to food or eating exists. In Matthew chapter 4, or Luke chapter 4, for that matter, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness to turn some stones into bread, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And in both Ezekiel, and for both Ezekiel, the person Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 3, And the Apostle John, in Revelation chapter 10, they were told to take and eat a scroll of God's judgment. When they did, in both cases, it tasted like honey in their mouth. But in the case of John the Apostle, when he ate it and it went to his stomach, it turned his stomach sour. And commenters seem to agree that this honey taste Reflects, of, reflects the idea of God's perfect justice being delivered, but the sour aftereffect reflects how terrible God's judgment will be on peoples who oppose God and His ways. Well, we wouldn't want sapros or rotten food on our menu. The closest we might want is roadkill. Uh, and there have, you may have seen uh, t-shirts with, that says, uh, yeah, roadkill cafe, you kill it, we grill it. That one, that one showed up pretty good. Uh, but do we serve rotten speech to those around us? Have you ever heard someone describe an encounter or a conversation with, with someone and then they said they, they left having a bad taste in their mouth? Well, let's look at a few things that the Bible says that is speech that's unfit to use with others. If you're still in Ephesians 4, back in verse 25, we're told to put off falsehood or lying to our neighbor. And in verse 31, we're told to put off slander. Then in the next chapter, in chapter 5, verse 4, we are told that obscenities, foolish talk, and coarse joking are out of place for believers in Jesus Christ. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20, that slander and gossip were two of the things that he feared that he would find among the Corinthian believers when he came to visit. One of the writers of Proverbs thought that gossip was similar to a type of food as well. Twice in Proverbs, in Proverbs 18 verse 8 and in chapter 26 verse 22, we have this saying and in the NIV it's exactly the same in both places. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. The word for choice morsels, in this case in the Greek because it's in the Old Testament, is leham, And it gave the idea of a food so good that a, a person would swallow it greedily If they had a chance. Just as good food swallowed goes down in the stomach, gossip swallowed greedily is said to go to an individual's innermost being, where it's digested and becomes a part of who they are. And some have equated gossip to pornography in in how it affects people and is consumed by people. A lady named Jemima, Jemima Thackeray wrote in the London Telegraph. In a uh, January 31st, 2014 issue, gossip can be so appetizing at the time of tasting, but what seems like throwaway comments can actually slip down, get digested, and change one's taste forever. Our society's addiction to gossip uh, is a bit like our penchant for porn. A rec- recent research has suggested that exposure to pornography pornographic imagery is gradually rewiring our brains. And if we continue to develop an appetite for gossip and scandal, then in time, only gossip and, and scandal will satisfy. Everyday life and conversation, the stuff of real community with real people, will be too bland to care about. Matt Mitchell published an article last July title, titled, Keeping gossip out of prayer requests. That hurts just, that title just hurts. That's just painful. He offers the following four suggestions, and I'm just quoting the, the article here. I've shortened it a little bit. Number one, check your facts. Prayer requests can get muddled very fast. If the situation is not potentially shameful, getting the facts wrong may not be such a big deal. If it gets reported that Kelly is having her tonsils out when Kelly is really going to have her wisdom teeth removed, it's embarrassing to the one with the incorrect facts, but may not be so embarrassing to Kelly. But if we we report that Kelly got cut from the softball team or Kelly lost her job or Kelly broke up with Jack and it's not true, then it could be very damaging. So check your facts is the information you have straight from the person that, you're, that it's about. Don't, try to, don't, tra- don't transmit hearsay or rumor. Don't say more than you have to. And don't, you don't have to share all of the juicy details. God knows enough about it already. Secondly, check your role. Are you the right person to be passing on this information? Do the people being talked about want this request to be made known? Would they want it repeated? Is the prayer request confidential? If so, keep it that way. Is it your place to pass it on? Some prayer requests may be things that you should bear as a prayer request for yourself alone. It's best not to pass on to others. Many of us uh, never ask ourselves these key questions, but we should. Sometimes we do need to pray for people who may not want it, like praying for the salvation of an unbeliever. But often, simply applying Jesus' golden rule answers a lot of these difficult questions. Do to others what you would want done to you. Third, check your audience. Some people shouldn't be trusted with certain prayer requests. Um, Is the person you're talking to Someone who may be easily tempted to gossip. Do they seem over-eager to hear bad news? Do they have a reputation of being unsafe with confidences? Be discerning. There may be nothing wrong to pass on a per request to Melinda, but there might be something quite wrong with passing it on to Tony. Uh, be careful. And lastly, check your heart. Sinful gossip is bearing bad news behind someone's back out of a bad heart. What is your motivation for sharing this prayer request? Is it loving? Is it really for the glory of God? Be honest. Do you perhaps actually want to be seen as someone in the know with an inside scoop? Do you want to impress your listener? Do you get a thrill from sharing a secret? Would you say it differently if the person you're talking about was present? That's another ouch (laughs) phrase. Uh, If the answer to any of these questions is yes, be very careful in how you handle information about other people. Anyone can be tempted to gossip, but we can avoid it if we slow down and evaluate if we are the right person with the right motivation, talking to the right audience with the right information. A good prayer request comes from the good stored up in a good heart, And one day we will all have to give an account, even for the prayer requests we share. May we be found faithful. And that's the end of the article. So we need to get rid of gossip. But there is another style of talking that can be very powerfully damaging as well. Uh, So powerfully that the Bible actually classifies a personality to it. Just as as those who who tell lies are called liars... Uh, In some places in the Bible, those who mock are called mockers or scoffers, depending on your translation. Some examples, and I'm going through these rather quickly, so you don't have to try to look them up. Proverbs 21 verse 24 says, The proud and arrogant person, mocker is his name, behaves with insolent fury or overweening pride in, in other versions. Proverbs 22, verse 10, Drive out the mocker, and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. I've served up more than my share. As Well, I guess there's always more than my share uh, or anyone's share when it comes to rotten words. And I've done that over the years, unfortunately, including mockery. I remember about 10 years or so ago, being... Uh, or maybe even leading a a youth retreat planning committee. And we were in the midst of trying to choose a keynote speaker for the youth retreat. And we came up with a list of potential speakers, some that I have heard of, some others that I hadn't. And one was a a speaker that I had heard once uh, the summer before. My personal opinion was that he was a good speaker, but more for an adult audience than for uh, a youth audience. A rather premature conclusion, I would say, in evaluation, after only hearing a speaker once. Who knows? He might have been just fine with youth as well. Well, there's nothing wrong with having an opinion, what was terribly wrong was that then I proceeded to mock that person's suggestion, Uh, as the last person that we would want to pick. It was horrible, and I persisted until I drove that person to tears who made the suggestion. My comments were so rotten that I'm still bothered some 10 years later about that. It's still a comment or uh, a handling of a situation that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So we need to get rid of rotten ramblings. Secondly, we need to heap on healthy helpings of helpful communication. Let's look at Ephesians four twenty nine again. Do not let any unwholesome or rotten talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others. Building others up according to their needs. Now the words "building up" sometimes translated edification. Uh, in this verse, are for, from one Greek word, oikotome. It is an architecture or construction term that literally means a structure or a building or building something. Figuratively, figuratively, though, and in this context of Ephesians 4, it refers not to the construction of a building, but to the growth of a body. If you're in Ephesians 4, you can go back to verse 12, although let's go back one more verse to verse 11 because it'll make a little bit more sense. In Ephesians 4, verse 11 and 12, we read, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his body for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, oikotome, And then the same word appears again in chapter 4, verse 16, where it says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So in this context, we're looking not for what makes a strong building, but what promotes the growth of of a strong and healthy body. And that's where nourishing food as opposed to rotten food comes in. Paul tells us the words that we say to others ought to promote another believer's growth in wise living, devotion, happiness, and holiness. So instead of rotten, unhealthy talk, we should be serving healthy, needful talk that will promote good growth in a brother's or sister's relationship with the Lord. This type of talk should be the baseline, the minimum standard of Christian communication. Proverbs 10, verse 21 says, The lips of the righteous nourish many. And later on in that same chapter, in Proverbs 10, verse 31, we read, From the mouth of the righteous comes the fruit of wisdom, or the fruit of wise living. But a perverse tongue will be silenced. But in our Christian lives and in Scripture, we're called not to be happy with doing just the minimum standard or the baseline standard. No, we're often called to go beyond, to seek to excel at whatever we give ourselves to. And that is the idea of the finishing thought of Ephesians 4.29. And our third point, top it off with tasty talk. Ephesians 4, 29, again, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Even though I'm not a Greek scholar, I do like to see if there is a gem of truth lying somewhere in the original Greek. And I believe there is such a gem in the two Greek words translated benefit in the NIV. Dotomai. Cheris or charis. I don't speak Greek, so I might be pronouncing these wrong. Didymai means to give, and charis or charis means grace, gift, or blessing. And I think the New American Standard Bible, if anyone has one here, just translates this phrase best when it says, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Not, not only are our words to promote healthy and needed, needed spiritual growth, our words are to impart or give a grace, give a blessing, or an, an unexpected joyful gift to those who listen. Our words should feel like Christmas, and perhaps our words should taste like Christmas too. When God spoke to the people of Israel about the promised land when they were still in Egypt, he called, called it a land flowing with what? What? Milk and honey, that's right. Flowing with milk gives the thought that the land would have more than enough to meet their needs for healthy living. Flowing with honey gave the idea that the land would have more than enough for joyful living. Both thoughts are contained in the thought behind Proverbs 16.24. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Honey was an expression of extra blessing, something that added pleasure to the eating of healthy food. What is true of honey is also true of something else mentioned in Scripture, salt. It's true, though, in a different way. And salt comes up in a parallel passage in Colossians 4, verse 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Don't know about you, but when I'm having something like fried onions or mushrooms, uh, steak or popcorn, they taste okay on their own, but add a dash or two of salt and the flavor just comes alive. It makes these foods not necessarily more nutritious, um, but more tasty and enjoyable to eat. Does our input into conversations Add a pleasant and enjoyable aspect to that conversation. Are our words ones that not only build up spiritual health, but truly bless and enrich those we are talking with? This doesn't mean that we put on our so called Christian plastic smile and pretend that everything is fine and dandy when everything is not fine and dandy. We can be honest and say things, we can say that things are not going well when things are not going well. But this does mean that we are to be intentionally looking for ways to build up and bless our brothers and sisters in Christ and our neighbor who may or may not be a believer yet. To me, all this talk about food makes me feel that the application should be tasty as well. And here are a few suggestions to remind us of what we've learned today. First, for the first point of getting rid of rotten ramblings, I suggest sour cream and onion chips. Uh, get the the sour. That's kind of the closest to rotten that I was wanting to bring here this morning. Uh, Bruce and Leslie, does that look familiar at all? Uh, on Friday, uh, Bruce and Leslie caught me in my sermon preparation in Superstore. Um, at any rate, yes, sour cream and onion ch- uh, chips. Two to remind us uh, or to help us in the transition from rotten ramblings to gracious speech seasoned with salt. Uh, number two, I, I offer a healthy, healthy helpings tasty talk combo. Okay, for the application or maybe the appetizer might be a, more of a fitting uh, thing is a gro- granola bar. A granola bar that in the ingredients has honey. And uh, it's to remind us that healthy talk that builds up can be enjoyable as well. And I I don't think the chocolate hurts either. And uh, the third one, uh, what to do with those choice morsels of gossip. I, I recommend pecan caramel clusters, okay, um, I, uh, I offer this kind of like a, an experimental patch or like the nicotine gum to give you that, uh, that sensation of a, a choice morsel without the gossip side effects, okay, and there will be by the coffee station uh, these things offered to you just in case you want to get a taste more of more of this, this message later on. Uh, Let's pray, and we'll have the worship team come forward. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for um, your word and the pictures that it gives us. And I I just pray that, uh, yeah, that we would be more careful in using words and being more intentional in just building others up with our words and just truly blessing them. And I pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.